It is Wednesday, August 25th, and you are listening to Steve Sachs Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. That's right. We're indie-er, we're sportsier, and always on the radio. It's Steve Sachs Syndrome. It's yeah. non-shouting sports radio. And yet, we're close. <laughs> I we can't are close. <laughs> yeah, turn down your microphone. I can just hear you through the window. Uh, it is uh sort of mid late august which is a strange time for sports yeah Uh, so that's why we're finding different vocal intonations to uh, to to carry the topics um no uh so yeah we are but i'm excited when we are not uh, demanded to cover football or basketball when we do fall into the occasional gaps in the schedule um, we get to explore some less discussed sports, which we will do tonight with a friend of yours. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jason Collins will be joining us. We're talking some bowling, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's... landmark moments in bowling. <laughs> that's right. It's That's coming up a little bit later. And uh, this is why we know we're sort of in this sort of soft spot in the schedule that we're going to lead with preseason football as our number one topic as to we're going to lead with it's there it's happening yes Um, yeah it comes on the tv the kids get excited excited and i was like are you excited for falcons rams (laughs) third stringers you know i'm not Uh, sure if i am yeah you know I like it that it's on. You know, there's yeah. something on. And I'm like, oh, is there sports on? Oh, there is a sport on. Um, so yeah, and ever so often you're like, wait, you know, again to see the guy who you sort of remember played at some college a couple of years back pop up in a game. You're like that guy. So it's fun yeah. to do that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, no. Uh, you know, it's sort of what has happened in that because the. Uh, NFL has added an extra game to the regular season and just sort of, you know, within the quarterback position and being so important to a lot of players. I think it started uh, started with uh, the coach of the Rams Mm -hmm. uh, um, being like, yeah, I'm not playing any of my starters in any of these games. Um, And then sort of the league is following suit because like, why risk getting someone important when you have a lot of games (laughs) to play? Yeah. Um, And again, I said this, you know, previously about last year, Due to COVID, they they canceled the preseason, and I I didn't see anybody you know up in arms about that. Right. So what it does is allow uh, rookie quarterbacks a chance to play, and yeah. then people to get really dramatic <laughs> one way or the other about it. You're like, uh, uh, yeah, he, he looked good for those eleven minutes against guys who may or may not be playing in the league in three weeks. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, but so I would the- say it it did allow for one sort of nice moment if you care is that uh now again the fact that you didn't even watch this game but the the bills and the bears um played a preseason football game are we in week two at this point is that is that where we are i i it all blends together i believe it's week two but they do play it at you know like thursday nights and stuff yeah. like that too so yeah it all kind of bleeds together but yeah I, it is week two so keep going with your setup. Um, so they played, and it's so much the attention with the Bears is, you know, Justin Fields, their number one draft pick. All the Chicago fans seem to want him to play every second of everything. Um, yeah. And uh, sorry, Andy Dalton. Um, Andy Dalton. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Dalton. Uh, just a lot of it. Just, uh, but there was the thing. So uh, Mitch Trubisky, um, who mm-hmm. was – they. Uh, ended up going and drafting a quarterback in the first round because they did that with him a few years ago and it didn't work out. Um, yeah. We'll just we'll just say that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just so much of sports is just mean uh, as if somehow Mitch Trubisky, you know, like dropped a baby, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like he played all right, you know, like, yeah. yeah, you know, they they might not have made the best choice to play a guy who really just played quarterback for like one year in college, you know, at a decent level. Um, and totally put everything into him with a system that wasn't really working otherwise. So he did okay. They got to the playoffs and didn't look good in that first round loss. But just so much like, oh, Mr. Biscuit. You know, like he didn't draw himself, you know, draft himself second, you know. But anyways, so he's now the backup quarterback for the Bills. 
and he did get to play a fair amount in that game and looked good. Yeah, um, he looked very good. Yeah, I did get to see the highlights of uh, of the game. Um, and then, yeah, I, of course, you know, devoured all the stuff on the Bills <laughs> fan sites and texts from my friends. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot there. But, yeah, Mitch, it sounded like Mitch played really pretty well. Yeah, he played well, uh, but also against the Bears starters. Mm-hmm. Um and the Bills didn't necessarily, like, it's not like Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, like, their best players were, were there for it. Um, so, you know, he's going against a pretty good Bears defense. You know, granted, again, this is um, preseason. Um, so we want to just check our expectations with still <laughs> some of those things. But, you know, looked good, as you said. Um, you know, overall, I mean, the the Bills ended up winning forty-one to fifteen, and um, and the big thing that a lot uh, that Bills fans were talking about, Trubisky looked good, but uh, the defense looks great, especially the the two rookie uh, defensive linemen, the pass rushers we got, Rousseau, Gregory Rousseau, and uh, and Basham from Wake Forest, um, and they were just hassling bears quarterbacks all day our second teamer uh second um year defensive lineman pass rusher aj epinesa also looked really good so like that's the thing that the bills are like we need a better pass rush Mm -hmm. you know like mahomes just was could do what he wanted uh when we played against them in the afc championship and the bucks beat them because beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with a really good, consistent, steady pass rush. And we're like, that's what we need. So, uh, and then the other thing is a friend texted and he said, our second and third stringers look awesome. And they were like, this is the deepest team that we've had in years. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that you want to hear about in preseason. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Some commentator is mentioning one thing you it is good in preseason football is you can tell what is a well-coached team. Yeah. You sort of see that because there's not the sort of dramatic drop-off from one unit to the other. Yep. And I think that seems to be the case. I feel like I've said it on the show before. You've clearly got great players uh, on, on the team right now, but your best feature may be your coaching staff and yep. just how consistent they are and um, how they have not lost anybody, you know, <laughs> after one year you know, doing well, the coordinator becomes a head coach somewhere. Right. So, the Bills, they just are an impressive system right now after yeah. sort of living in the shadow of the New England Patriots system mm-hmm. for so long, which was great coaching and, you know, attention to all parts of the game. The Bills seem to have found that right now. And it's sort of a weird thing to be like, yeah, yay coaching staff. But yeah. that, that is where you're at. That doesn't mean that they are, again, making magic with, you know, <laughs> dusty beans. Um, right. They are <laughs> and other old folklore. Uh, metaphors um but yeah so that is the thing where you're just like oh yeah the, the bills are just like good it's it's not about like well as long as you know again um you do have a, a quarterback where there would be a difference going to mitch trubisky we're not going to pretend that that's not true um, right but uh yeah that they're good but scott you did not watch the bills bears game wait, wait, wait. i i did want to before you transition i do want to say Thank you to the magic chalice that we found in the underground basement. Um, so there was some magic folklore that we were able to tap into. Yes. So, yes, magic means and the old chalice. Yes. Uh, but yes, what were you going to ask me about? So, you do not choose to spend your time watching preseason football, but uh, you did watch football of some kind this week. And what was that? <laughs> That's right. We watched the 2000 film. The Replacements, starring Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves. Have you ever seen that that movie, Tom? I feel like I saw it at the time, but you could show me parts of that movie and I would easily go, oh, I've never seen this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's what it was kind of like for, for me watching it, is I could remember a few parts, but then other things I was like, wait, this happened? <laughs> I, I guess it did. Um, and it's... Uh, it's a harmless movie, I think is um, is a good way to describe it. Though it has uh, it has some groaners in it, but it also has some 
okay, I can go along with this. Um, you know, and the football isn't terrible. Like um, sometimes sports can be on, on movies, but um, so yeah, it, Gene Hackman is kind of playing the hits as the like wise old coach, you know, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, you, you've done this before in a better movie called Hoosiers, you know, but you know, it's still okay to hear Gene Hackman saying these words. And uh, it's okay and, to hear Gene Hackman say any words. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even in like the old American airlines commercials with Love the them. piano in the background. I miss it. Uh, you know, and Keanu Reeves, I realized he plays the quarterback Shane Falco in the, uh, which is a great quarterback name, I think. <laughs> but then I remembered that he played uh, a quarterback in another movie. He played Johnny Utah in uh, Point Break, and Johnny Utah was like an Ohio State, you know, all-star quarterback. And uh, so, yeah, Keanu, like, uh, sort of doing this role pre-John Wick, post-The Matrix um, of Shane Falco. And so there, there is some good stuff. They, they do, the, the money quote is, you know, right at the end, he, in the huddle, he says, pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. You know, and you're like, okay, that's, that's the reason why this movie got made. <laughs> you know, with that, but it was based on uh, the 1987 football strike where the yep. players went on strike and the owners decided to bring in replacement players. And I, you know, that was a, an interesting thing in, in football time. And I remember there was like local tryouts for the bills and like one of the teachers from my middle school went and auditioned and <laughs> wait, auditioned isn't the right word. He tried out for it. Uh, theater. Uh, an up-tempo and contemporary ballad? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but then the guy that we always remember for the Bills replacement players is a guy named Todd Schlopey, who was the kicker. He was a barefoot kicker, which is also a thing that's kind of been lost to history. And he won our third replacement players game with a field goal against the Giants to win it 6-3. to three. So uh, that's my replacement uh, players' uh, memories. Uh, do you remember that 87 uh, season, Tom? Uh, somewhat, uh, in that it, it, it was just another example of, oh, like, we're going to watch that. And then, uh, I'm watching it. And yeah. it was just like, we, if they put it on, we will eventually, you know, so I probably... Uh, was a little casual about it, and um, but yeah, that just like no, we'll we'll still watch if it, if it says football, we'll watch. I remember it happening. I think it was the first week that the Monday Night Football game was the Forty ers against the Giants. You know, like that's like for that season. Yeah. You know, Bill Parcells, Bill Walsh. You know, the Giants were just coming off a Super Bowl win. You know, they had beaten the Forty ers in the playoffs that year before. You know, solid, awesome matchup. And there are these like no name players and Bill Walsh came out and he started um, playing. He started running the wishbone, the option. <laughs> and I remember there was a moment where somehow Parcells and Bill Walsh like caught each other's eye in that moment when he came out with the wishbone and Bill Walsh kind of just like shrugged his shoulders and just like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, he's like, this is what I could do. And, um, yeah, and here I am watching Monday Night Football of no-name players. Um, and then, uh, so Keanu, uh, you know, he's got the attitude, but is he convincing as a quarterback? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I was like, oh, I could see him. And, you know, there was there were the times where he was definitely in the huddle, but then there was also moments where I was like, during like the football action, I was like, is that him or is that a stand-in? So they did a really good job with right. that. Where I was like, yeah, that's, that's Keanu. That's Shane Falco out there. <laughs> that's Shane Falco. Cause I remember we, you know, seen them together, the John Wick films, particularly John Wick three, I very much enjoy, but I also oh, was yeah. surprised. And I know he's older now that I was like, Keanu Reeves did not have the most athletic gait. Like he sort yeah. of like runs and lopes in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's acting, actually. Is that right? Is he, yeah. He's like, all these bones have been broken several times. Exactly. <laughs> I've been stabbed repeatedly for 30 years. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. And, sorry. I'm sorry I uh, discredited his athleticism and instead should uh, credit 
his actorship. <laughs> there you go. I like that a lot. Budapest. Yes. Um, well, great. So <clears throat> that is the football that we sort of watched this week. <laughs> but yeah, as again, so much of sports media is all about like, this guy is terrible. Um, just hooray for Mitch Trubisky. That must have been satisfying to go and be like, it wasn't all my fault. <laughs> yes. Look how well I can play with good players and a good coaching staff. So I'm really excited about this segment and uh, about our guest this week. Uh, he's, uh, uh, let's see, almost friend, brother-in-law to a good friend of ours, Tom Bruss, who's been on the show before. But it's Jason Collins. Welcome to Steve Sachs Interim, Jason. All right. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Yes. So this has been uh, a long time coming because uh, a, a few years ago, I posted something. I either emailed it to our fantasy football group that you are a big part of um, or, you know, posted it on Twitter at, and it was a bowling moment. I was like, what happened here? And Jason was like, oh, I was there. And I was like, you're a future Steve Sachs Interim guest. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to we're going to get to that specific story. But uh, but Jason, uh, you've been a lifelong bowler. Yes. When did you start? Yeah, um, I actually started bowling when I was around 10. Um, and the first time I really was introduced to bowling, I bowled in a league with my parents. Um, and so kind of growing up, it was bowling with a lot of times with my dad. I also bowled with my mom. My grandma bowled in one of the leagues. Um, so that was sort of my introduction to bowling. It was always about just spending time with family. Uh, really enjoyed it. I actually was was looking before this. I still have the old, um, it's like a little cardboard cut out thing that it folds in three and it's got all my scores from my very first week. Cause then it, there was no apps. There was no computer scoring at that time. And, and I think I averaged 110 at the time. Um, and so really enjoyed it, had a lot of fun with it and um, did kind of, kind of good. So continued it into, um, into high school. And where was this in, in New Jersey or where? Nope. This was in uh, Western New York. I grew up in the Rochester area in the Finger Lakes. I didn't know that. See, I'm finding all this stuff out. So this is in the Finger Lakes. Yes. Yep. So uh, uh, Canandaigua was where I, where I grew up and then Bloomfield right near Canandaigua Lake. And so um, when I, I went to uh, Canandaigua High School and I actually moved to Bloomfield to live with my, my dad. And so one of the things that sort of I could do well was, was bowl. And there were some folks who bowled, some kids who bowled there until I made some friends that way. Um, so it was really kind of a natural fit. Uh, Jason, I also grew up with, uh, you know, leagues and, you know, my mom part of a, a bowling league and sort of um, uh, coming along just because that meant I didn't have to be babysat. Um, but I <laughs> sort of feel like uh, bowling league. So here in Asheville, you have a lot of like parents coming out to these like outdoor breweries, letting their kids run around with each other while they drink. Uh, so it's sort of like a respectable way to sort of get together and drink. And I feel like bowling was that a little bit. It was also it was like a place where you go and you're definitely applying yourself. Um, but you're also at a place with food and drink, um, uh, even though it's like two o'clock in the afternoon or whatever like that. So I, I feel like bowling uh, had a feeling of like, I think parents are having more fun than just bowling. As I got, got a little older, I started catching on. Like, I don't think it's just about the bowling. Um, bowling was very intense, but I think there was also like flirting and drinking and, 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 and lots of cigarette smoking, at least where I grew up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even especially, yeah, growing up now, now there's less of the cigarette smoking because yes. you can't do it indoors, but definitely growing up. And there, there was, there was a lot of that. And I think, you know, it was always good for me. It was a lot about family and just spending time with my family. And then even once after high school, um, joining, and I started joining some of the adult leagues and it was actually with my dad and some of his friends, but it was, there was definitely that social aspect of it. Um, and I, I started to find though, I enjoyed that part of it, but but for me, I really enjoyed the competition part of it. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I, that's really kept me in bowling for for so long is, is definitely the, the social part of it. But but it's it's kind of how I get my competition fix as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did always have dreams of of going on and bowling, being a professional bowler, and doing all those things. And 
Um, certainly that hasn't worked out so well, but I do still bowl competitively. I bowl in some uh, regional tournaments and go out to Vegas every, every once in a while to bowl in the national tournament there. Um, so I do still try to try, try to get that, but there, there's definitely also some, some drinking and, and, and fun <laughs> being had, although it does frustrate my girlfriend, Vicky, because when, when I go, I don't let us drink during the, the, the competition, you know, we got to wait till afterwards and we can have a drink after. And she doesn't really understand why, why that's the case. <laughs> I, I just want to buddy in um, that there used to be a group uh, here in Asheville that would bowl a bunch of our friends and Tom, you would go every yeah. week. And I, I, I only went a couple of times, but I, it was very funny for people who didn't know you, um, Tom, as a competitor, like that you're a very competitive person when it comes to sports, when it comes to games. And so the first time they ever saw you bowl, they were like, oh, my gosh, Tom's really locked in here. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, we don't fool around here. Yeah. Is someone <laughs> keeping score? Then I'm paying yeah. attention. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was a good group. They were called the Gutter Sluts. Uh, was sort of the group, and yeah, it was fun to get together. They would always go uh, on the same night that this bowling alley would have like a karaoke thing. So a lot of them would sort of uh, go, oh, hang on and go sing a song and come back kind of thing. All that was fun, but um, you know, yeah, no, no one wanted to lose. Uh, no one wanted to you know have that around that people sort of pity you for. Um, so. Yeah, Jason, I know, but for you, so yeah, I don't, I, I can't cut myself at the top, but uh, if I uh, bowl less than a hundred, uh, I feel like I should walk home. It's sort of like the mentality I have, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like so I can do anywhere from like a one oh seven to like a one ninety five. Great, somewhere in there, but literally like a ninety nine, and I am just like uh, miserable for for a good uh, seven to ten days. Yeah, we're we're similar on my team. We actually have a pact on on my team. If anybody bowls under a hundred, that's it. We need to retire. We're done. We're off the team. So that's sort that nice. is sort of the, the line. Anybody's under a hundred, you're you're just you're out. And we and we know that. And we wouldn't. Nobody would have to tell us. We would just pack up our stuff and, and go. So yeah. Uh, but sometimes you can find yourself like you know seven frames, and you're like, oh my god, I'm I'm flirting with a ninety here. Like, and then you just really like, go and hit. So, uh, yeah, I have so many questions, but I've wanted to talk about bowling for so long. Um, do you have your own ball? Oh, yes, I have. I actually currently have uh, six. You have six. Um, I typically will take three with me when I'm just bowling in a league because I know the, the, the house and what the conditions are going to be. Uh, but then when I go out to tournaments, I'll bring six. And do you switch from, you know, on the rare times when you don't get the strike, uh, when you have to uh, pick up the spare, do you switch to a different ball? I do typically, depending on which, which spare, um, anything, I'm a left-handed bowler, so anything on the left side, I'll typically switch to a plastic ball that um, won't hook. And uh, anything on the right side, I'll usually hook, hook it over to do that, though. Uh, great. And then, yeah, do you have like a crazy spin on your throw, or is it mostly just a good angle with a little bit of English? Yeah, yeah, more. I'm more of. Um, I don't really crank the ball. I don't get a ton of revolutions. I'm not really strong enough to to get that like some of the the big guys. But um, I, I do have a decent decent hook. I play kind of down the lane and and I try to snap it almost like a hockey stick towards the end. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, the guys who don't even uh, you know engage the finger holes, they just have it and then just sort of spin it off their yeah. wrist. Yeah. And I then can't. you're like, oh, that's going to go into the the you know, the other lane, and all of a sudden. <laughs> Yeah. comes and wipes them out and i'm like okay you're a wizard you're defying physics yes. um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um yeah. so uh, yeah i'm always impressed with um who you guys it's right uh, again watching some golf this weekend and i love that there's just like non-traditional athletic types that can succeed in these things so same thing just uh bowling yes the, you know there is the, the you know the tall long guy you know but also or the beefy guys but just love being surprised by wait that person is just consistently yes. getting the same result over and over again, which is the whole idea, you know, yep, really that's good result. Yeah. And how often do you bowl per week? Do you just do the once a week or are you doing multiple times? Uh, typically before COVID I was doing twice a week. Um, and then I try to get, if I, if I could find some time, I'd get out and practice one other time. But, um, Initially, with COVID, everything shut down. Um, there was a period of time where, where things started to open up and we could get back in the bowling alley, but we just did. I just did one day a week at that point. One of the leagues yeah. that I was in, it was a much bigger league and there was more people per team, so it was more full. So we kind of dropped that league, didn't really feel comfortable. 
Um, and the, the more competitive league I'm in, it's just three guys on a team and they were able to space this out. So I, I kind of through summer COVID was able to do uh, just the one league. Uh, uh, and, uh, do you have wait. cute names and yeah, do you definitely. have matching shirts? Uh, well, the, the one team I'm on, we do have matching shirts, but we only use those when we go out for full tournaments. We don't, we don't right. wear them every, every week, but, um, and our, our team name right now is, is just everything hurts, which, you know, I thought was funny at first when I joined the team and now I'm like, no, really everything does hurt. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, for, uh, do you have a limit for the number of big Lebowski references you're able to make in one night? Or is it like the sign from wayne's world where they're like no stairway to heaven in the guitar store um is it like that like yeah we don't make lebowski jokes yeah we we don't do the lebowski jokes yeah that's just for rookies like me (laughs) (laughs) uh well let's uh let's shift over to uh the the sort of uh story that started all of this so you've been uh in addition to playing you know, you had the aspirations for potentially going pro that didn't quite work out, but you've always, you've always uh, followed it at bowling at the professional level. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And so is it like, so, I mean, forgive me for my ignorance. Are you like watching it like at the, at the big tournaments or are you like, no, I'm watching it every week. Like it's, you know, like a, like a football game. I, I will say I've probably trailed off it, early on, like through through college and, and when I was a little bit younger, I did watch it almost like all the time. And yeah. I was really up on it, followed followed certain guys, just uh, what they did. Um, I haven't been a, as good about that more recently. Just life, work, everything going yeah. on. It's, it's a little harder to um, to keep up. And so I'll check the scores and see how certain guys are doing at this point. Um, I am, I'm happy. I like ESPN has really picked it up and you, you're starting to see more of an emergence. Um, it's becoming a little more popular, which I'm excited about. They started with a team event, um, not a number of years ago, maybe 2008, 2009, they added a, a, a PBA team, uh, competition to try to just make things more fun. So I'm trying to pay a little more attention to that, but I don't follow it as much as I, I used to. Uh, but so let's uh, sort of fast forward or go back in time, however we want to say it, to the 2012 U.S. Open happened in your neck of the woods, right? Correct. Yeah. In 2012, they uh, the PBA Tour came and they did the U.S. Open, which was one of the five majors uh, at uh, Caroller Lanes in North Brunswick, New Jersey, which is where I bowl in, in my leagues. Um, and so because they were coming there, it was kind of easy to grab some tickets um, you know, and they're close by. So we're like, well, yeah, we definitely got to gotta go to this and, and check it out. And that was, I've actually been to a few PBA events over, over the years, um, two times to a televised final. So this is, this was the only time I've been at a major um, yeah. final, which was a really, really special event. Um, and right in your backyard. So that's, that's amazing. And yeah. so uh, we'll sort of reach, uh, we'll work up to the like dramatic moment, but you said like, it was a pretty awesome U.S. Open, like the, the whole tournament was really competitive, right? Yeah, I, I really kind of kind of forgot that it, because of this dramatic moment, and, and it's really all you really think about when you think about this tournament. But in going back and watching it a couple of times, this there was a whole lot going on for this this particular tournament. So, um, one of the com- competitors was was Pete Weber, and he he coming into this that he had won this U.S. Open four times previously, mm. and the only other bowler in history to do that was his father, Dick Weber. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's coming into this and the U S open, if, if, um, of, of all the majors and really of all the tournaments, this is the most challenging, most difficult pattern to bowl on. It's extremely difficult. Um, any, even the slightest mistake and your, your ball just won't do what you want it to do. So if mm-hmm. you look at scores for a lot of the, the tournaments, the scores for this one tend to be a lot lower. It's, it's the most difficult one. And, and P Weber's won it four times. So coming into it, there's all this kind of pressure on him and emotion. And he had been talking about it for years about, you know, wanting to break his dad's record and get that fifth U.S. Open. So there was a, a whole, whole lot of pressure coming um, into this. And so we're, we're going, you know, we, we get into it. So there was that. There was also Jason Belmonte was the... Um, I think he was third. So P Weber was fourth. There were four, there were four guys step ladder final. So you bowl third, the winner of that bowls, the, the, the sec, second place and the winner of that bowls first place. So um, he, he won his first match and he gets to Jason Belmonte. And the, the cool thing about this was you've got Pete Weber, who's old school, very technical bowler, right? He's, he's just a classic bowler. He does it better than really anybody. 
And then you've got Jason Belmonte, who's also an incredibly great bowler. But Jason Belmonte is the guy that introduced the bowling world to two-handed bowling. Mm. Right. So you've got just complete polar opposites in terms of, of how they bowl, both very accomplished. And at that time, back in 2012, Jason Belmonte had won four of the five majors. The only one that he still needed was the U.S. Open. And so here you've got Pete Weber, one of the best of all time, trying to win it for the fifth time. You've got Jason Belmonte, um, who's who's really come onto the scene and is just dominating bowling. He's trying to win uh, the Super Slam, it's called, and he would only be the second bowler in history to do it. Mike Albee was was the other who who had done it previously. And so just that alone, and, and that's only the second match, um, and that you know still the finals to go. And, and watching those two duke it out was just absolutely incredible. But during the match uh, it was even p weber's like first shot he gets up there to to bowl and all of a sudden you see him like step back and he slams his ball down on the ball rack and so what what the heck what happened and i I, just to set it up so normally you would see when you watch these events there's there's the crowd is behind the bowlers right well somewhere's around 2008 2009 i think they started having the crowd and putting bleachers along the side so there's bowlers that sort of come up the lane a little bit in the bowler's peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. And so somebody must have distracted him, right? So so anyways, Pete Weber gets mad. He slams his ball down. He gets back. He gets his stuff up. He goes to shoot. And I'm like, I'm going to kind of watch around here because it came from the area I was sitting in, which is along that side, kind of up the lane a little bit. And so he goes and he takes his shot. And I do see this kid on, they're just the metal bleachers. And there's a kid on the very first bottom one. And he sort of like stretches his spine and leans up to see over the barrier. Um, I'd like to think the police barriers that they have for the crowds and they just put right. like little signs on it or something. And he's like looking over it to get a view. And I'm like, I wonder if it was that kid that moved that, you know, made a mat. Wow. Well, so uh, Weber makes his shot and he comes, he sort of takes this meandering walk around towards us in the crowd. And he like points into the crowd, but you can't tell who he's pointing at. Cause he's got those sunglasses on. Right. And he's just like pointing and with this mad look. And I even, I'm thinking to myself, was he pointing at me? Yeah. <laughs> like, did I do that? Am I about to kick out of my bowling alley? Cause and, yeah, right. and so, and I mean, this guy is just so intense and, but it kept happening. It happened like three or four times that match uh-huh. where he would be ready to bowl. And then if you watch it, he just like slams his ball down. And so the whole crowd now is starting to get a little kind of annoyed. Like really, really, man, like you're a professional. Yeah. I get it. There's a lot of pressure here, but, but what's going on. And at one point he even pointed into the crowd and he was like, I know who you are. But again, you can't really tell who exactly he's looking at because of those glasses. But I do see this kid move a little bit a couple of times. I'm like, I think he's like yelling at a kid. And by kid, I like it was like a, a teenager, like probably like 12, 13, 14. Um, but I think at some point also there, I think other people were starting to get annoyed with him from the crowd. And there was a little back and forth and, and heckling going on, too. So everything was really building up. So anyways, he wins that match against Belmonte and Fun, fun fact, cool thing. Jason Belmonte packs up all his stuff and he goes to leave and he pulls out a marker and his bowling ball. He signs it and he hands it to a, a, a different kid, like a kid in the crowd. And part of me is like, was that on purpose? But, yeah, I, I yeah. but, but actually, I think Belmonte is just a, a class act and, and does that that kind of thing. But um, so anyways, we get to the, the final and he's he's going up against um, I think it was Mike Fagan, King of Swing, Mike Fagan. And so, so again, there's a couple of times during, during that, where he, he um, sort of stops, he gets mad. He's looking over at the tournament officials, pointing over to our area, the bleachers, and then he's pointing out towards the exit. Like he wants people kicked out. And then some of the stuff you don't see on the telecast in between, he's doing the same thing. He's going over the tournament. Wow. He's just all like intense. And I kind of, I'm like, well, I guess, you know, there's a lot on the line here and he's just yeah. a fiery guy anyways. Um, but anyways, there's all this buildup, all this buildup. And so now we get down to, him and Fagan were just back and forth the whole match and Mike Fagan gets up there and he throws three strikes in the 10th, which forces P Weber to have to get, I think he needed a nine spare and a strike or a strike on the first shot to, to win the whole thing. Um, and I mean, he gets up there, he makes his first shot and it's a, it's a nine, it's the 10 pin, but he's a right-handed bowler. So the pin in the corner on the right. And so what made this, this part so intense was he had missed this earlier in the telecast. So the very first match against, I think, Ryan Schaefer, he missed it. And he had mentioned when he missed it, he was like, oh, man, I missed this a few times this tournament. So now here he is. He's got him. If he misses this fair, he's done. He loses the whole thing. I mean, the amount of pressure that must have been on him at that moment was just absolutely incredible. And if you're in like in the crowd, it is silent. Uh absolutely silent there's all the lights are shining on him, the cameras on him i mean it's got to be incredible and he makes a shot which is, was just 
absolutely amazing. And then he gets up there and he's got to, now he has to strike. If he gets a nine, they tie an eight, he loses. He's got to strike. It's the hardest, um, you know, pattern in, uh, in, in bowling. And he gets up there and he makes that, that strike. And just like the amount of intensity. And I think everything, that whole, everything leading up to it all came up and you just, you just said, who do you think you are? I am <laughs> yes. that, like that moment. And I just think, and he, but he was looking over towards like the crowd where this kid was. And so I'm like, dude, that was amazing. But you're yelling at a kid. <laughs> here, let's let's pause right here. Let's play this clip. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! That is why I did it! Another five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! Damn it, right! Yeah, so that's it. That's the moment where he kind of loses his mind. And, it, you know, for non-bowling people like me, I even know that. And it's still just the most baffling thing. Tom, what do you think about Jason's theory that he's yelling at a kid? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, uh, but we're okay that, like, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, <laughs> Won the yes. championship because uh, you know George Carl didn't like you know yeah, right. share an appetizer with him you know like but that's okay you know um, <laughs> and I took yeah, that personally <laughs> and, and yeah and also Pete Weber is yeah I mean they're you know so to go back again to go back right was that uh, Earl Anthony was that the bowlers right again very dignified and blah blah like your dad kind of you know, mm-hmm. whereas Pete Weber's always been a little bit of like you know. <laughs> double guns ablazing kind of guy you know like um so it it was certainly not out of character it's not like all of a sudden earl anthony just sort of like loses it in like you know takes a swing at a kid um but pete weber though that's sort of part of it and then once he realized that he inadvertently coined a catchphrase now he does that all the time you know we finish it you know he's like yeah wins a first round match he's like who do you think you are i am right to camera each time we're like well good for you good for you oh that's great and yeah, so that uh, uh, we're we're gonna take a break in just a minute. So, but just um, like walking out of there, were you like, "Oh yeah, I we just witnessed this. Like, this is one of the great bowling moments." Or did you did you not actually hear him say it live? What? How was it? Uh, no, definitely heard him say it live. <laughs> yes, um, and almost felt like it was coming at like because we were yeah. close to there. Like it, it he, that he isn't it. He is very intense. Um, and to his credit, like like you were saying, like I really think that he, you know, he he argumented. There can be an argument made. He really brought bowling back. Um, yeah. and and like and it was the fact that he's such a character. He's so out there, which which is awesome. And I've always loved loved him for that. But then like on the other side, I'm like, I think he was yelling. So it's it's kind of <laughs> like I don't I don't know. I love it. It was a great moment, and definitely felt it. And, and yeah, walking out of there, I, I I was it was that was just an incredible match. The the whole way through, every single yeah. match was great. The whole televised final was was a lot of fun. So we're back here on Steve Sack Syndrome, talking to Jason Collins about bowling. I. I'm so glad to get a first-hand account of that amazing moment. Tom, what questions do you want to ask well, Jason? Manny, You're well, I say, uh, Scott was talking about the movie The Replacements earlier, and we yeah, tend yeah. to talk about uh, sports movies on the show. And I'm just curious if you feel that Kingpin is an underappreciated sports mm-hmm. movie. Um, I know it's a Ferrelli Brothers who I, I enjoy that branch of humor and everything, but still, bowling lends itself nicely to you know movies. You know, it, it, you, you can frame it. But anyway, so uh, Kingpin as a sports movie. Um, are you distracted by sort of the caricatureness of it, or do you still love that it came down to someone having to make the shot and to to you know save the farm that kind of thing? Yeah, no, I definitely think it is an underrated bowling movie. Um, I, I it was I enjoyed that movie a lot, but I, I do also, yeah, I love that it came down to that. There was bowling kind of woven all the way through it, and so um, definitely enjoyed it for that. Because Bill Murray is sort of a Pete Weber character in, in that, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yeah. he enjoys yep. sort of like I'm so good that you all hate me kind of thing, you know, um, uh, which you need, you know, like uh, a sports is good when someone's willing to be like, great, if you don't like me. Uh, go ahead and beat me, you know, like that, that sort of energy. Um, so I appreciate that. And my second thing is, what is the fascination with flames in the bowling world? On the ball, on the shirts, on the pants, on the cars in the parking lot. Why, why so many flames? 
That's a that's a good question. I don't not and now that you say it, I'm thinking, yeah, there are a lot of flames, aren't there? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think I, you know, we're just we're, we try to we try to burn burn the lane up with with uh, yeah. solutions. Um, you know, that's that's actually something we'll, we'll talk about is is burning the lane up um, after you know with the once you kind of burn the oil up actually, and then that makes the lanes change a little bit. But oh, I think there's yeah. a lot of guys who really try to put a lot of revs on it and get as many as they can. So maybe there's something with that. I'm not sure. <laughs> So uh, maybe, you know, a lady never tells, but um, what, uh, so what is the game that you get to uh, uh, brag most about? What, you know, what's, what's the score that you can point to be like, that was a good day. Uh, well, there's, a, I've had a couple of good moments. So I, um, in 2000, actually it was in 2012, I bowled an 800 series. Um, and so I had two games that were 279, uh, and both wow. were very close to that 300. Uh, but then more recently in 2017, I finally, uh, finally did it. Finally bowled my first 300. So, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow. 2017. That's yeah. almost like, should I just retire here? But it is always like, like a, an addict. You're always chasing the dragon, right? Yeah. Definitely, definitely chase it. I've got, I've had one more since. Um, oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah. I've had one more since. And, and now I'm just like, I got to get, I got to get another one. I can't retire yet. I can't bowl under a hundred yet until I get my next 300. So <laughs> is, is there some kind of like, I don't know, badge or insignia or like tattoo that you like, how, how do you like, how do bowlers like, oh, you got three 300s, huh? There's uh well, we get a, we get a ring. You get a ring uh, for, really for your, for your first. And some guys will, you can get like every time you get another one, you can add like a, a diamond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily do that, but um, yeah, first one you get a, you get a ring. Um, so it's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Uh, um, and then, yeah, just so many questions. What is the contact point for you? Uh, for me, it is mm-hmm. posture. If I can find my right posture, and I really wiggle around a lot on the lane, people again think I'm sort of kidding, and they're like, "Oh no, he's he's you know doing all this like uh, stuff." But again, if I can find my posture, then it all sort of goes from there. But some people, it's the breath; some people, it's the grip. What, what is your contact point? If that question makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I I have a I do have a very specific routine as I go up with with each shot and the way I kind of pick up the ball, wipe the ball down. Um, get myself set. But, but for me, when I know if it's going to be a good shot or not, as, as in my, in my approach and, and if I can keep myself slow, I have a tendency to start kind of going fast towards lane and then mm. everything speeds up. If I can get all the way through those five steps at a, at a kind of a smooth pace and I, I know I'm going to make a, make a good shot. Uh, there quick story um, for bowling. This was a, um, this is a bowling story that's big in my family is uh, my sister, I don't know, she was about nine or 10. And she she decided that she just didn't want to have a birthday party for some reason. She said, I don't want to have a birthday party. And so my mom was like, she wants a birthday party. But so what what we did was we decided to do a surprise birthday party. And so my older sister took us bowling while my mom did this like big surprise party with all of my younger sister's friends. So we went bowling and my younger sister, she got a gutter ball every single time. She just got a zero. And she was, she was so embarrassed. She was just so sad. And she also was like, at that point it was realizing she was like, I don't even have a party. And I just did that. And she, and like, my sister my older sister and i were like it's it's okay like don't worry like it's a so we so we got back and we're like no it's gonna be okay we got back and all of her friends were there surprised and she's just crying you know she's both happy and sad at the same time so that's the bowling story that happened in my family growing up that's a good bowling story that's a good bowling story uh, so, okay, we just have a, a couple minutes. Um, so just want to, I, I love this that you and Vicky have been doing this. So you guys um, are, are making destination trips, vacations around baseball. So what yeah. was the, what was the trip that you did this summer? 
Uh, we did two this summer. We just got back uh, last weekend from Pittsburgh. That's and right. So we went around Pittsburgh and finally made it to PNC Park, which is an absolutely incredible park. Oh, uh, I've heard and, it's and great. And the cool thing yeah. was a couple cool things happened. One, the game the night before was rained out. So then on the day of our game, they did a day-night doubleheader. So, of course, we got tickets to the day game, too, and got to see a doubleheader. The other cool thing is one of my multi-ball players, Brian Reynolds, hit a home run. So <laughs> there's nothing like seeing your fantasy player hit a home run in real life. So that was pretty incredible, too. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So how many major league um, stadiums have you been to? Um, we have been to now 17. This summer, we made it to, we, we made it over the halfway point. So, yeah, we also – yeah, we also went to um, Texas, the two stadiums in Texas, the Rangers and the Astros this summer. That's impressive. Do you have a favorite out of all of those? Everybody asks that, and I think I answer different every time. Um, yeah. I think PNC Park might have moved up to the top. That was really wow. um, a really – I mean, you know, in my heart, I'm a Yankees fan, and, and that was the first stadium I ever went to. So Yankee Stadium probably always is going to be top, but um, PNC Park was was pretty incredible. That's that's great, Tom. Anything about Jason's baseball trips before we say goodbye? And then, do you do you have any traditions when you go to a ballpark? Do you like I must taste the hot dog in each place, or or, or anything else like that? I think I think the one thing we definitely try to do is to walk all the way around the stadium, or yeah. at least as far as far as we can. We'll try to do it as much as we can outside, and but definitely inside, just get that whole view all the way around before we uh, make it to our seats. Uh, oh, that's great. We had a friend of Scott's on a while back who was talking about going to the uh, stadium where the, the Royals play um, and just sort of like the drive out was just sort of like, what, is there anything here? And all of a sudden there's like the stadium and they're like, oh, but it's, uh, it, which many people have, but the walk in when you sort of first kind of break the technicolor and come in to see, you know, the lawn and everything behind it and, you know, the fountain in the background and everything. Um, And just as they were describing, we're like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Um, (laughs) So same thing, uh, you know, any good memories of that? Yeah, when you just step into the kind of inner sanctum and and see all the, the colors involved. Yeah, well, actually, it's it's funny you should say because I actually would say um, the going to see the Royals that that particular one was actually pretty incredible. Walking right in that, and I think Camden Yards was was a cool oh, yeah. one. You kind of walk in and you're almost kind of looking down over the whole the whole stadium because you're a little bit higher up. Um, and that'd been one of the first stadiums that I was at with that kind of design where it sort of set down a little bit. Um, so I think that was pretty neat, neat experience to walk in. But yeah, that drive, my, my friend and I drove to Kansas City because that's where the Yankees happened to be when we mm-hmm. both could take vacation. So we're like, well, I guess we're going to Kansas City. And, uh, <laughs> that's, saw a game, that's great. Uh, saw a game there. And that was, yeah, that was special. I got to go to Camden Yards. Uh, I guess it's been two years ago now um, for the first time. And yeah, you know, growing up, that was like the first of those retro stadiums. And I was just like, and it it lived up to its billing. It it was still gorgeous. There were maybe 500 people in the stands. The (laughs) Orioles were terrible. And, you know, it was. Oh, remember that? Remember when the Orioles used to be terrible? Yeah, yeah, distant memories. And, you know, it was the end of the season. And uh, yeah, there was there was definitely more Dodgers fans than than Orioles fans in the stands, but it was just gorgeous. And I love that tradition of like take the full lap. Like yes. I've done that. Like I did that at the Twins when I went to Minnesota, Camden Yards. Like you you just got to take it all in. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Hey Jason, thank you for coming on the show. This has been amazing. All right, thank you, awesome. Scott. Thank you, Tom. Thanks this was for- ex- this was incredible. Thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for giving me a reason to talk bowling. My, my, my anytime, anytime. Uh, passion. Yeah, we're t- talking about, uh, you know, the, the visual of walking into the Kansas City Stadium. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, there was some bonus golf today. Um, the, the Northern Trust Open um, mm-hmm. couldn't uh, play yesterday because much of the Northeast was being hit by a tropical Never. storm. So they pushed, yes. it. but anyways, but it's a gorgeous tournament. Uh, we we're talking about New Jersey. It is right across the the way from Manhattan, right. so just off from Ellis Island. So it's just so cool. To, uh, you just see like you're on a golf course, and they just kind of cut to reverse angle, and you're like, oh my god, that's like the New York City skyline just yeah. hovering behind this. Uh, so I just love those sort of unexpected settings for sports where you're like, no way. Um, yeah, it's just also, like. Yeah, like the Brooklyn Cyclones who have their thing right under the Coney Island mm-hmm. uh, roller coaster and the big swings like that. Yeah, those kind of where they're able to like, yeah, let's figure out sports that can do this. Even like PNC Stadium, I, I haven't been inside, but it's um, I, I've driven past it. It's right where the rivers meet in is, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's exactly where it should be. 
Very cool. And also just a nice story. So uh, Tony Finau ended up winning today, and he's a, a top golfer, but he'd basically gone five years, like 147 wow. tournaments without winning. Um, uh, yeah. He'd come awfully close. I mean, again, he's in the top 10. Uh, you don't get there by coming in 67th a lot. Um, but he hadn't won, and, and that is there's just something about that, uh, and he got it today. You can just tell that everybody was like, a good guy finally got the thing he should have gotten a long time ago. So yay, Tony Finau. I've always enjoyed his work whenever I'm I'm watching golf and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I like him. I don't have a reason to root against him. Yeah, yes. uh, I agree. There's a, yeah, he's just yeah, a distinguished fellow. Um, yes. And then otherwise, yeah, we again, we're, uh, talked a little bit of baseball. I will admit I was a little, uh, I don't know about these Yankees this year. And then the moves they made at the mm-hmm. trading deadline it t- turned out to be really good and as it was, they did have a good team. They were just sort of not finding the combinations that worked. And um, hooray that they uh, swept the Red Sox and uh, you know, displaced them for the uh, at least first wild card position. Yeah, um, it's great. So yeah, Yankees are great. Dodgers are great. I know, not surprising, but uh, <laughs> they 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 sure do make it look good. And then yes, if we didn't mention earlier, wow, the Orioles are terrible. Yeah, they they're pretty bad. I, yeah, it is funny because. I, I do love the baseball playoffs so much. Uh, I, I wish there was some way that they could be separate from the NFL season because I like both of them. And I know that things can coexist at the same time, but I sometimes wish like, I wish this was happening like differently, you know, so that I could, you know, expend all my energy towards one or the other, you know? Uh, but yes, I, I, I always get, excited about baseball as we get closer i'm a i'm a fair weather baseball fan okay. but what is nice right now is the little league world series is on uh, uh yeah which is super entertaining and uh, yeah but yeah the player introductions um they're all like doing their little cool like <laughs> ninja moves on camera and just the, the qualifier like my name is this i play this position i'm from here and my favorite emoji is or uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> or my favorite actor is and you're like uh, and then sometimes it'll just be this kind of totally strange thing you know you're like my favorite actor is don Cheadle. you're like cool I, oh don Cheadle, awesome <laughs> i didn't know i, 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 I like... old cared about don Cheadle. thank you yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always right. But yeah, it's great. And there was there was a uh, a player with the last name of Bun. So of course I immediately uh, got behind that team. And, nice. Uh, but yeah, and <laughs> last thing. So you know who Julie Foudy is? She yeah, was sure. like part of the U.S. Women's National Team soccer mm-hmm. player. Again, she's very charming. But she got into this thing of like, we need to give out ice cream because that's what this is about. So she's like driving around this cart and just sort of like handing it out. <laughs> At some point, people were just like. Should you maybe check for food allergies or anything? Or we're like, yeah. here, kids, yeah. baseball means eating ice cream from strangers. <laughs> Eat it on camera. Eat it now. Yes. <laughs> I'm literally just tossing it to people. They're like, what What are you doing? No, thanks, Julie Foudy. Yes. <laughs> that's very funny. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you to Julie Foudy for bringing weirdness to the Little League world. I could use some ice cream. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.